For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rob Williams, and I am the lead pastor at a uh, church up in Charles City, Iowa. Anybody know where Charles City's at? I can't see too many of you, but okay, yep. Northeast Iowa. Ian, you only knew that because I told you earlier, man. I know that's why you raised your hand. So, hey, uh, uh, yeah, my, like I said, uh, uh, I've been up there uh, for about seven, we're in seven years now, right? Which is really funny. So I met Taylor actually at a pastor's cohort in Waterloo, and that's how my, him and I got to know each other. And what we found found out when what was so funny about us was how much we have in common, okay? We actually have a lot in common. Aside from our looks, I think I'm a lot better looking than Taylor, okay? And you can tell him I said that. Uh, but, but Taylor and I actually started ministry around the same time as far as leading our churches. He planted Infuse. Him and his wife, Stephanie, were able to plant Infuse about seven years ago. Well, we actually replanted a church that's now called The Bridge uh, around the exact same time. Um, his wife's name is Stephanie. My wife's name is Stephanie. Um, uh, him and and I are both beautiful, blonde, and handsome, okay? And, uh, and we've got, he's got, he's got three girls, but we've got, we've got four kids. We've got, if you could show that picture of our family, there they are. Like, I mean, aside from this, we got the gap models everywhere else, right? Um, I, my wife picked all the outfits out for that photo shoot, and I promise you we're not Amish, okay? Um, that's just kind of how we look, uh, but that's, that's our oldest, Nicholas. He's 11, about to turn 12. That's Evelyn. And then there's Luca, he's our big ham, and then Penelope, and they're all back in the kids' department. And so um, uh, that's a little bit about me, um, uh, and I'm just excited to share the word with you guys today, and I hope you're excited to hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, but here's the deal, okay? Um, I don't know how Taylor preaches. I've listened to some of his messages and fallen asleep a few times. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... When I listen to Taylor preach, uh, I, I, he's a little bit different from me, okay? I like a lot of feedback. So everybody say Amen. That's what I like to hear, okay? So if I'm asking for feedback, I'm going to ask you to talk a lot. I'm going to look for interaction. I hope you guys are cool with that. I know we're in white rural Iowa, okay? But uh, I think, can we handle that? Everybody say, yes, Rob. Yeah, that was forced. You didn't actually mean that. I could tell. So, uh, but for those of you that are joining us online, man, I'm so glad you're with us, and I hope you're excited to jump into the message as well. And, and what I want to encourage you to do, if you're jump, jumping online, make sure you're interacting in your chat box, okay? Um, you may not be able to be here in person, but man, it's still your job to build community there. So uh, make sure you're doing everything you can to jump in and be a part of that uh, uh, today. So why don't we do this? Why don't we um, pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll see what God has for us. Does that sound good? Everybody say, yeah, Rob. All right, we got it. All right, here we go. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And uh, God, we just love you so much. And I thank you for the opportunity to just present your word today, God. Uh, Lord, may we, may we acknowledge in an environment that is so casual that what we're about to do is so sacred. Um, Father, may we step into your word with the seriousness and, and with an expectation to hear from your spirit, Lord. And God, we just look forward to what you're going to do in our midst this morning, God. I loved that last song we sang, Lord. It came with that expectation, like, like, like Christmas morning, Lord, like we're waiting for Santa Claus. We, we expect you to show up right now, Lord. And we just call on your spirit in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen. Good stuff. All right. Have you guys ever, this might be, for the older crowd, this might be kind of a weirder question, okay? But I'm going to ask you, um, uh, have you ever tried to do a backflip into a pool? Anybody ever tried to do that before? Okay, yeah, the kids are raising their hands, okay? Uh, when I was a, a kid, I, I, it was one of the things that I always wanted to do. My friend Chris could do it when I was younger, and I'd always wanted to learn how to do a backflip, but I could never get up the gusto to do it until I was about in college. That's a true story, okay? And I remember uh, one year, we were, uh, I was actually in my latter years of high school, 
about 17 years old, and our church actually rented out a pool in order to go swimming at, and they were gonna do this big family event. We were going, and, and, and as soon as I found out about that event, I had decided that, you know what? This is the time. I'm gonna do a backflip. Like, it's gonna happen. And so what I would do was, I would, I would go up against the backflip. Now, if you've ever done a backflip, okay, for, I'm not showing you my rear end on purpose, okay? I'm just trying to demonstrate, okay? So when you go on a, do a backflip on a pool, a lot of guys, they'll put their toes on the edge and they'll bounce their heels up and down, right? And this is what I would do. I would look, I, I, you gotta look cool like the rest of the guys, right? So I'd get on the edge of the pool and I'd start bouncing my heels up and down and I'd look back at the pool and then I'd look straight ahead and I'd get really, you know, amped up and I'd look back at the pool and I look, look back straight ahead. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then I'd look back at the pool. And then I look straight. And then I look back at the pool. Like, I got really nervous. And I'd always come up with all kinds of excuses as to why I couldn't do it, right? And I was just trying to psych myself up. And what would always end up happening, what, uh, uh, what, what would always end up happening was I would like, I would turn around and I would go to do the backflip and I'd launch, but I'd panic mid-jump and I'd turn and I'd ferociously fl- flail like a chicken and smack into the water, Okay. <laughs> That's the best backflip I could do until about college. And it was something that I could just never, never get myself to do because of all the fears, all the anxiety, and all the excuses that I would run in and through my head um, before I was able to finally do it. You see, in order to do a backflip, there's this one thing that you have to be able to do. You have to have enough courage to not see where you're going. Right, You have to have enough courage because there's this point in the backflip until you get completely upside down. You don't know where you're going even though you know you're headed towards the water. And so in order to do a backflip, I like to say it actually takes a little bit of faith, quite a bit of courage, and quite a bit of gusto, okay? And today, today we're in a series called Broken Records. We're in week two of this series, and this whole series is all about getting past our excuses, okay? It's about getting past our what? Excuses, there you go. And and excuses never lead to life. Can I just tell you that? Excuses never, ever lead to life. I love what Stephanie said last week. I was actually able to go online and listen to her uh, message. And she said that excuses are like paper walls. They're reasons that we make up in our mind that box us in from experiencing the fullness of life. And, And they're paper walls that keep us from experiencing God's best for us. When we let our excuses boss us around, we only fall into the traps of self-doubt, insecurity, and a life not lived to the fullest. Now, I don't know about you, but those aren't things that I want to be known for, right? Like, I don't want my gravestone or my epitaph when I die to say, Rob Williams, super insecure, super afraid, and life not lived to the fullest, right? Nobody wants that on their gravestone. So, so where does that leave us? It leaves us in a position where we can either give in to our excuses or look, look to overcome them. Kind of like my attempt to, a back, to do a backflip when I was younger. Um, I didn't just have to get past my fears and my excuses, but I had to overcome them. And, I, and one of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite quotes about courage is this. The courage to do anything um, doesn't come without fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to overcome our fears. Amen? Everybody say amen. All right. Courage is the ability to overcome our 
fears. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the ability to overcome. Because as silly and simple as it may sound, if we're ever going to get past our excuses and stop living in the broken record kind of lives that we tend to live, when we live in our excuses, then we better do what we can to work on our ability to overcome. And yeah, that's right. I said our ability. Everybody say ability. Ability, the ability to overcome. It's not a personality trait. It's not like, hey, yeah, I'm an Enneagram three, so I don't, I can't, I'm not much of an overcomer, right? Like that's not how it works. It's, 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 it's an ability to be developed. It's a skill that God can build in you if you're willing to give it over to him. It's something that we can grow in, especially, especially church, listen to me, especially the more we give our lives over to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter two. Okay, Mark chapter two, that's where we're gonna be at this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you or you don't have an app for that, I actually wanna encourage you to download an awesome app called YouVersion, that's Y-O-U version, okay? And it's a great way to read scripture and share it with others. At the bridge, we don't normally put the main passage of scripture on the screen because we wanna encourage you to get in your word, but you guys like to put it on the screen. So we're gonna do that for you today as well if you don't wanna read along with us uh, with your own personal device or or Bible yourself. But um, again, we're gonna be in Mark chapter Today we're going to be looking at a story about four guys who had a lot to overcome in order to help their friend, okay? And what I want to pay attention to today are the characteristics that they modeled not only in themselves but in their lives in order to get their friend to Jesus because these guys, these guys could have given in to a hundred different excuses as to why they couldn't get their friend to Jesus, but they didn't. They actually had a, a bunch of justifiable reasons, I would even say, as to why they would not have been able to uh, get their friend to Jesus. But, but these guys, these guys overcame so much in order to accomplish their task. And in the end, you're going to notice, in the end, Jesus is going to reward them for it. Okay, so we're going to even Mark chapter 2, if you have, have your Bibles with you, and we're going to pick things up right in verse 1. And it, it, as you notice, as we jump into verse 1, you're going to see that um, uh, the, it says a few days later. In other words, what's going on here is Jesus has already begun his ministry on earth, Okay. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's done all of these different things. And just before this passage, we actually see that Jesus healed a man with leprosy, which is a skin disease, okay? And now we're jumping into this story a few days later, okay? So when you're looking, when we see that first part of the passage that says a few days later, that's what you're talking about. You guys good? All right, let's read this together. We're gonna be in Luke, or sorry, Mark chapter two, and we're gonna pick things up right in verse one. This is what it says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people that he had come, uh, excuse me, the, the people heard that he had come home. So Jesus is home again, okay? This is where he's from. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door that he was, of the home that he was in, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Jesus uh, get him to Jesus, excuse me, uh, because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their what? Their faith, right? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Immediately, though, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking and in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat home. And take your mat and go home, excuse me. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. All right, so this is like a really cool story of faith and courage, right? Jesus is teaching and preaching, and like always, he's got this ridiculous number, large number of people crowding around him and into the building he was in, and, and so many people, in fact, that it's practically impossible to get to Jesus. I mean, we're talking like rock concert, mosh pit kind of status, standing room only, nobody can get in. You hear what I'm saying? So that's the scene that we're, see, that, 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 that we're sitting in here, and, they just, and, and yet none of this, none of this stops these guys from getting their friend to Jesus. And, and I think this is a much bigger deal than we think. Like, we read through that first part of that passage, and they're like, yeah, they couldn't get in, so they just jumped onto a roof and dug a hole in it. But what they did was really a, a huge deal. They... they, they None, nothing stopped them. They just know, they know this. They know that, that, that Jesus is in that house and we've got to get to Jesus. Even more than that, they got to get their buddy to Jesus. So just like I'm sure any of us would do, they jump onto the roof and crack the roof, op roof open to lower their friend on the mat that he was lying on. Like if you were in your neighborhood modern day today, you would do that, right? No, you wouldn't. That's crazy. Let me tell you something. Building a roof back then was just as hard as it is now, okay? It's just done differently. Back then it was mud and straw. Today it's shingles and wood, right? Like it's different. It's different in the materials, but it was just as much work. And it didn't stop these guys. I mean, I mean, what they did was like, hey, Bill, I saw Jesus was at your place. So, you know, I just grabbed my sawzall and ran over there. And we couldn't really get in. So we just, we just cut a hole in your roof. I hope that's okay. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but if I was Bill, I'd be like, excuse me? Nothing stopped them. I mean, that's a lot worse than a neighbor cracking open a window um, when you're like not home and you, they gotta get something out of your garage, right? It's a much bigger deal. And so you think it's crazy and you're like, what is wrong with these guys at first? But then, but then as you think about it, you also realize as crazy as what they did was, it's also pretty inspiring. I mean, nothing was going to stop these guys from getting to Jesus. They were overcomers. They didn't give in to anything that got in their way. People, ah, we'll get around them. Roof, oh, we'll crack that baby open. I'll get my Cirque saw. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing, right? But then what, 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 what was it about these guys personally, though, that helped them overcome because that's what I want to dig into today. I want to talk to you about what it takes to overcome it. And I think these guys had certain things that they modeled within their character as well as their lives that helped them overcome various things 
that enabled them to get this friend to Jesus. So, so, so what did they have in them that helped them overcome? Well, well, let's, talk, well, let's talk about four different things that they, I, I believe that they had, or four different characteristics that I believe they had that helped them overcome. The first thing was this. Their love overcame their apathy. Their what? Their love. Their love overcame their apathy. I think this is, um, that this is something that gets brushed over as we read this passage. Their, their love their love for God, and especially their love for their friend. It's easy to fall in the trap of believing that other people's problems aren't as, por- aren't as important as our own, isn't it? Right? Come on, even in our uh, modern-day North American culture, so often we kind of become apathetic about other people's problems. I mean, if, if social media is not a great example of that, I don't know what else is, right? Well, I liked and subscribed to somebody, so I really care about them, Right? <laughs> I posted to share, I shared this post, which means I'm super deep, right? You're not really stepping into their situation and, and, and you don't really understand the trials and the troubles and the tribulations they're going to, uh, through until you step into them yourselves. And, and this was especially easy to believe that people were apathetic about other people's problems during Jesus' time because people like this man, this paralytic man who, who couldn't walk, that um, his friends helped, um, people like him a lot of times ended, in the poor, ended up in the poorest districts of the cities that they lived in. I mean, people like this man um, were left for dead oftentimes. You see, during this time, there, there was no government welfare system. You hear what I'm saying? There was no home for the disabled, and there were no homeless shelters for those in need. Those are all Christianized systems. Did you know that? They're Christianized systems, systems that find their roots within our Christian heritage that we have as a nation here in North America. But during the time of Jesus, that would have been a foreign concept. All of those different things would have been a foreign concept. Even still today, much of the Middle East believes in something called a caste system. Has anybody ever heard of that before? A caste system, okay? A caste system is essentially uh, puts you in a position where if you're poor or you're disabled or if you've been um, put in a really bad lot in life, that was God's will for you. And for me to step into that would actually curse me and you. So I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to help you. And the reason why is because as if I help you, then I will take away your blessing in the next life that Allah has for you. This idea of a caste system keeps people from actually caring for one another in the Middle East. To help you in this life meant cursing you in the next. So the poor, the disabled, the elderly, the widow, the orphan, oftentimes got left to their own devices. And I think we can all agree that apathy still remains today in so many different regards. Apathy for others' problems, apathy to deal with our own problems. How many of you know you got a problem you should have done dealt with, right? Raise your hand. Let me just see it, right? Let's just confess that sin right right now. Like, I know I got issues, right? And I don't just need self-help. I need a lot more than that, right? But it, it, it would help if I, if I started taking steps in that regard. But I'll be honest with you, I'm just not there yet. How about apathy to change into what God has called us to be as the body of Christ? How often does your apathy become the excuse for your lack of love, whether that be your love for God or another person or even love for yourself? When apathy reigns over our hearts, we tend to say things like, well, I'm sure someone else will help them. Or, you know, I don't have the time. Or, or, or that's their problem, not mine. Or, or this habit I've got really isn't that bad. Or maybe, maybe when it comes to other people, 
You even go dark and you say something like, well, they're getting what they deserve. What about our apathy for change that God's called us to personally? Maybe it's a food addiction, a bad habit, a a marriage relationship you just haven't done too much to invest in. What's your excuse? Apathy might be controlling your decisions more than you think. Maybe, maybe the answer for getting past your excuses is that you might grow in love. You might step into a compassionate, heartfelt relationship like Jesus modeled so often throughout his ministry. For these guys, this, this wasn't an issue. I believe that they had, they had, they, they had the, God's greatest commandment on their hearts. You guys know what that is? God's greatest commandment? Come on, let's just read this together. Go to the next slide. Let's just read it together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is first and foremost what I think drove these guys to get past their excuses. Their love. Their love overcame their apathy. But then number two, their determination overcame their obstacles. Their determination overcame their obstacles. What we're talking about here is grit. Anybody ever heard that word before? Grit? Yeah, the word grit. Now, if you're from the South, I'm not talking about your grandmama's grits, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I know they're delicious with butter and pepper, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. Talking about grit. Grit is something that I talk about quite often at the bridge because um, I actually think it's something that our society is falling away from more and more, and we don't really, really, we don't really talk about it. We like to take our hurts, habits, and hangups and wear them as a badge rather than kind of push through things. Sometimes we don't really push our kids to build up grit and, and, and a little bit of determination and strength. Um, but if I've learned anything as a leader in ministry or as a leader anywhere in any type type of organization. Um, It's this, it's that leadership is more about the ability to take shots than it is to call the shots. Let me say that again, real leadership. And if you're a Christ follower, God's called you to be a leader in your community where you live, work, learn, and play, okay? Leadership is more about the ability to take shots than it is about calling the shots, it's the power of the will to overcome when things get hard. And, and for some reason or, or another, these guys had willpower and grit and determination that kept them moving forward. And sometimes getting past your excuses just comes down to your determination and grit. I love what Sprite Loriano said about grit. He said, every great story that ever happened came when someone decided not to give up. Every great story that ever happened came when someone decided not to give up. And I would even take that a a step further and say that every great story unrealized happened when someone couldn't hack it. When they didn't have enough determination or or grit. The Apostle Paul had something to say about this too, only he doesn't use the word determination. He actually uses the word perseverance. Not only so, Paul says, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces what? Let's say this together. Perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love for us has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, in other words, in other words, when obstacles and difficulty and suffering get in the way, that just gives us an opportunity to exercise perseverance and determination. What would happen 
What would happen if every time we ran into a speed bump in life, what would happen if every time we came in front of an obstacle, we decided to go, no, 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 this is okay. This is just an opportunity to grow. This is just an opportunity to, to, to exercise perseverance, which will give me character, which, which is driven by my hope. It's like when, I get my, uh, uh, when my kids get hurt and, I over, and they kind of overreact, right? And they come running to me crying. I'm the mean dad that kind of says, ah, you'll be all right. It builds character, right? I know moms in the room are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I hope Stephanie's around to, to, to coddle them and love them, right? Like, I'm just that kind of mean. She, she loves them. I kick them back in the circle. Like, that's how it goes, okay? A great example. Um, my daughter, Evelyn, uh, she's 10 years old, and uh, she kind of gets in her own head a lot, okay? And uh, one time we were teaching her how to ride her bike, and uh, Evelyn would fall, and the first time she fell, she just freaked out. I mean, I remember we got her going the first time, and she was riding and pedaling, and, and it was like the first push, she was on it. But then she fell, and it was all over, right? <laughs> Any parents ever been there, right? They fall one time, and it's over. Our son, our son Luca, was the same way. Um, he's the latest. Uh, no, he's not the latest. Penny just learned how to ride without training wheels. But anyway, so I'm teaching Evelyn how to ride without training wheels, and she just gets so upset. And I, and, and I look at Evelyn, and I go, Evelyn, do you, know, do you know what happens when you fail? Do you know what happens when you fall? She goes, no, Dad, what? I said, you learned something. And so I, I started asking her, I said, Evelyn, Evelyn, why do we fail? And she goes, so we can learn, Dad. And for some reason, that made something click in her head. And so she got back up, and she got on her bike, and she started pedaling again and started moving, and then she fall. And she, don't get me wrong, she cried. She didn't like it, right? But I go, Evelyn, hey, come on, girl. Why do we fail? So we can learn, Dad. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Within 15 minutes, my daughter was riding her bike without training wheels. And I think what that did in her is it helped her realize, okay, failure isn't always a bad thing. Failure can become an opportunity to overcome. Ah, you'll be fine, it builds character. Why? Because because that's what pressing through suffering and obstacles does. It really does produce character. Paul wasn't lying, right? I would be willing to bet. I would be willing to bet that the moments in your life that you grew the most as a person came when you had to push past obstacles. I would be willing to bet the, time that the times that you grew the most in your life came when you were experiencing some of the most tribulation and difficulty you've ever experienced in your life when you had no choice but to persevere. For some reason or another, these men had plenty of determination in their hearts that drove them to overcome anything that was thrown their way. All right, a couple more here. You ready? So their love overcame their apathy, their determination overcame their obstacles. And this is where we move out of the character and more of the lifestyle, right? Their community overcame their difficulty. Their what? Community. I think this is definitely one of the most important characteristics these guys displayed in this situation. Community matters. Community matters. Can we just say that together? Community matters. I loved, I loved watching those two do announcements and talk about groups. If you've not gotten signed up for a group, make sure you do it. Can I tell you that? Something we say at the bridge all the time is that it's hard to grow spiritually when you're not connecting at a deeper level than Sunday morning, okay? 
Get signed up for a group. Give it a shot. I know it's way out of your comfort zone, but guess what? God doesn't grow you in your comfort zone, does he? So sign up for a group. Get plugged in. I was really excited about that because that's where you can build community. And community what? Community matters. Can I just tell you that just about every week we have someone at the bridge that comes into our office off the street and they feel lost and they feel alone and overwhelmed by the difficulty and chaos or tragedy of life. And almost every single time, my solution to them, I tell them, hey, I'm not a professional counselor, but I can give you two things. You need to do two things that will help you overcome your difficulty and tribulation in life. Number one, all of that chaos you're experiencing, you need to meet my God, who is a God of order, amen? My God is a God of order, and if you would just step into a relationship with him, that's where, that's where you can start. But hey, not only that, we wanna give you a family to connect with. You need community around you to help you press through it all. Bill Hybels, a once very famous pastor from Chicago, said these words over and over when he taught his congregation. He said, the church is the hope of the world. Do you know what the church is? In the Greek, the church is actually translated as the ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. Ecclesia. It directly translated, it means gathering. I love what they said earlier. A church is not a building. It's a people, right? It's the people that we interact with. A church is a gathering directly translated in the Bible. It's a community of people, a congregation of people, a family of loved ones gathered around a common mission and purpose. You know what, what Jesus said about the ecclesia? He said, he said, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Your people matter. Your community matters. This gathering that you get to be a part of uh, every Sunday matters. The life that you do together throughout the week matters. The ministry that you do together, whether it's on Sunday morning or, or throughout your neighborhoods and your own communities, the ministry you do together matters. The ministry you are to one another matters. This, this week, I actually had a woman come into my office asking for financial assistance, um, and she came in just looking rough and depressed. Um, and at the bridge, when people come in, we have something called a benevolence fund, which is basically a fund that we use to help people in need. Um, uh, and, and what you have to do in order to get some of those funds is you have to fill out an application, okay? And if you fill out that application, we'll get a copy of your ID, et cetera, we'll go through all the processes, right? Um, but then there's a checkbox on there that says, would you like spiritual counseling? It's like my favorite checkbox on the whole application, okay? Um, only because I get to connect with people. And, uh, and very rarely, if ever, does it get checked. But every now and then it does. And, and just this last week, that woman walked into our office looking lonely, depressed, hurt, and upset. And she checked yes. Would you like spiritual counseling? Yes. And so uh, myself and uh, our assistant pastor, Eric, how many of you were here when he preached and talked about Celebrate Recovery? Anybody? Okay, a few of you, yeah. Um, Eric, uh, him and I sat down in my office and we met with her and um, not to get too raw here, but uh, this woman had been beaten not a week before she walked into our offices um, and she'd been abused before she came in. She, she had a black eye that she was covering up with some, glass, some sunglasses. Um, and it was, it was just a bad situation. I mean, it was not good. And, and so I bring her to my office to do some counseling and, and I pray with her as well as our associate pastor. And we listen to her story and everything that... Um, she kind of laid out before us and um, 
were able to connect with her a little bit, and I tried to empathize with her and, and, and just, you know, just be the be- do the best I could to be there for her. And as much as I said, and as much as I did, and as much as we offered, and as much as I may have prayed for her, um, our associate pastor, Eric, I think he said the most profound words she needed to hear um, that morning. As we're wrapping things up, he, he said, hey, Kim, that was her name, I'll just tell you her first name, Kim. He said, you're not alone. And you need to know that. We may have just met, but, but, but we're here for you and we want to be here for you. I don't think anything more profound could have been said that at that moment. You are not alone. Maybe, maybe someone's here this morning that needs to hear those words. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, you need to know that you are not alone. And if you just be willing, willing to step into real community, God's got something that he wants to give you through that. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many of us struggle to get past our excuses because, because we're trying to do it alone. We have no one loving us. We have no one holding us accountable. No one pushing us. We, we, we have no community, or worse yet, we have no faith community believing in us and believing for us when we can't believe for ourselves and, and pushing us towards God when all we want to do is curse God and go, why? Why, Lord, would you put me in such a situation? Why do you give me so much difficulty? Why is there so much tribulation? Why do I have to endure so much suffering? When God's just saying, no, 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 don't run away from me. I, I can handle those questions. Let, just let my spirit in and let me work in you. Because I may, I may be a God of the mountaintops, but I'm a God of the valleys as well. And I never promised that you wouldn't have trial or tribulation, but I did promise I would be with you in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. That's what Psalm 23 says. Even though I walk through the valley, you are with me. And the community that we have wants to walk through it with us as well if we have the right community. These guys had that. They couldn't have done what they did if they didn't have each other. That man on the mat could never have gotten to Jesus if it weren't for his community. These guys had that. What, what they definitely could not accomplish on their own, their community allowed them to accomplish, to accomplish together. All right, last one. You guys ready? Their love overcame their apathy. Their determination overcame their obstacles. Their community overcame their difficulty. And their faith overcame their doubt. These guys had a faith that overcame everything else. And I think this is what drove them so very hard. We just got to get them to Jesus, guys. We just got to get them to Jesus. If we can do that, then everything's going to work out. Whatever it takes, we just got to get him to Jesus. You might be here today and thinking, you know, Rob, that's great and all. And those guys have all those things in them, but, but I don't have that in me. I'm just... I'm not that great when things get hard, I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of crumble, I, I, you know, fight or flight. I'm more of the flight person, you know, and, and I'm not great when anxiety gets high and I'm just, I'm not much of an overcomer. That's just not who I am. But, but can I tell you something? If you claim to be a Jesus follower, 
That could not be further from the truth. Our faith is what sets us apart. Our what? Our faith. The Apostle John writes this. He writes, for everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes. Everybody say overcomes. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? What is it? Our faith. Our faith is what makes us overcomers. Well, Rob, I'm just, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not an overcomer. No, as a follower of Jesus, maybe some of you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. Hey, we're so glad you're here. And we hope that you're encouraged to wrestle with this whole faith thing and this whole Jesus thing. And we're excited to help you get connected to this greater community and this greater family. But if you're a follower of Christ already, you are already in Christ an overcomer. That's exactly what you are. Let's go back to, to the Apostle Paul and see what he writes to the church in Rome, okay? Let's just read this passage together. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? Now, when he talks about these things, he's talking about trials and tribulations. If you actually go back in the chapter, this is Romans chapter eight. If you go back in the chapter, he talks about trials and sufferings, trials and sufferings, things that they're trying to overcome, right? And then he says this, What's, what then shall we say to the, in response to these things? If God is for us, this is one of my favorite passages, who can be against us? If God is for us, we can take anything down. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Hey, I know you got excuses for why you're not chasing that one thing, but I'm telling you, hey, hey, if you believe in God, how will he not also give you all those things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who, who, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Go to the next slide. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or busyness or tiredness or, or difficulty or whatever we need, to, we need to grow in our character? Should any of that separate us from God? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, we're going to suffer as followers of Christ. I guarantee it. Jesus said, hey, you thought it was hard when I was here. Wait till I'm gone. You think they persecute me. Wait till they get to you. And then I love Paul's words here. Knowing all these things, we are more. We are more. Everybody say more. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you truly understand that in Christ, our excuses fall away so easily? If we would just believe on him and step into his will, I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. And I realize that what I'm preaching this morning is easier said than done. I get that. But we are more. Everybody say more more than conquerors. If we would just have a faith, if we would just have a faith that would help us to overcome our doubt. So this is what I wanna do, okay? So I've got one question for you here today. Um, and I want you to pay attention to the structure of this question, okay? Because something that I've learned in life, especially as a follower of Jesus, okay, not even as a pastor, just as a follower of Jesus, is that whenever I ask God to grow something in me, 
Um, he doesn't just give it to me, right? What does he do? He gives me opportunity to utilize and to grow in that trait, right? So we've got four different characteristics here that we see. We see love. We see determination or perseverance, right? We see um, community, and we see faith. Those are the four different characteristics that we talked about, okay? And what I want you to do, what I want you to wrestle with as we wrap up this morning, and, and what I want you to be thinking about as we close in this last song, okay, um, is this. Go ahead and put that question up. Where do I have opportunities to grow one of these characteristics in my life? Where do I need to grow in love? Maybe I need to be more compassionate. Where do I need to grow in determination? Maybe I need a little bit more grit and I need to push through a little bit more. Where do I need to grow in community? Maybe it's signing up for a group. Maybe it's time you finally grab that card and, and, and write your name down and give it a shot. At our church, we, we have all kinds of life groups and I always tell our people, hey, the first group you jump into may not work. Give another one a shot. You're gonna find your people. Maybe, maybe for you, you need opportunities to grow in faith. Maybe you need opportunities to do that backflip, proverbial backflip in your life where you may not see where you're going, but you're still gonna, you're still gonna take the leap. I wanna end with these words, the words of Jesus. Well, Rob, I'm not an overcomer. Then ask him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. I'll end with these words. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will, you absolutely positively will have tribulation. But take art, because I, who is in you, have overcome the world. Let me pray. Father God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to worship today, Lord. I, I'm just so thankful for all these awesome, smiling faces, and God, I, I realize that, that stepping into this identity of an overcomer is anything but simple. And yet, Father, you call us to it, and you enable us to do it, and, and, and you give us a spirit that's gonna drive us harder than we ever thought we could go. But God, I recognize that, that that starts with a foundation of faith in your son, Jesus. That he did what he said he did, that he was who he really was, and that he truly does have a plan for us that's greater than our own. So God, this morning, if there's anybody in this congregation and in these seats or online that, that, that don't know your son Jesus, Lord, or, or have yet to, to really put their faith in you, Father, I, I pray that they'd be able to do that, that they'd be able to step forward, that they'd be able to believe on you and in you and be used by you. And Father, for those of us that might be here today and you've been following your son Jesus for a while, maybe, maybe it's time you build something up in us that we've never had before. Or maybe it's something that we have a little bit of, but not enough. God, I thank you for your, your apostle Paul who said, it is daily I am being saved. God, the, the, 
ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he did. And, and God, I just, I just pray that his spirit would, would penetrate these, this room, that, would, that, that he would penetrate our hearts and the hearts of those watching online, Lord. And God, don't, don't just convict us right now. Convict us to change, convict us to action, convict us to walking out of these doors and doing something about what you've got for us and what you've given us today, Lord. God, we love you. And we know you wanna work in us. Help us, help us to have that expectation that you're gonna show up in our faith. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.